tillage does a lot of things. But there's one thing that it doesn't do, and it doesn't build soil necessarily. So tillage kind of breeds more tillage. And eventually, over a period of many decades, uh, one sees the effects of it. And what you see in the soil is really permanent compaction, or what we call massivity in the soil. Welcome to the 257th installment of Ear to the Ground, the Land Stewardship Project's podcast on family farming, sustainable agriculture, local food systems, and local democracy. I'm Brian DeVore, editor of the Land Stewardship Letter. It's been said that soil without biology is just geology. Such a clever quip succinctly describes why, without bugs, fungi, bacteria, and other organisms, that stuff beneath our feet is about as lively as a box of rocks. But during a recent LSP Soil Health Field Day at the Ruth and John Jovog Farm along the Cedar River in southern Minnesota, I was reminded of the role good structure plays in creating healthy, resilient soil as well. Without soil aggregates that can hold together under varying weather conditions, there simply is no functional home for living organisms to develop and thrive in. The importance of a secure house of soil became clear during the field day when Steve Lawler spaded up a sample of soil from a field that the Jovogs have been managing utilizing a combination of cover cropping, minimum tillage, and diverse rotations of cash crops. Lawler, who's a resource specialist with the Maurer County Soil and Water Conservation District, knows southern Minnesota soils intimately. Besides working with farmers and landowners to help them adopt conservation methods, he has years of experience studying fields and pastures in the region through his work with soil surveys. One thing he's noted is that decades of tillage has had a profoundly negative impact on soil structure. It's caused compaction and poor aggregation, resulting in soil that erodes easily, can't manage precipitation, and requires greater use of tillage and other intense management practices to remain functional, which perpetuates an unsustainable cycle of degradation. But what Steve Lawler unearthed at the Jovog farm was a soil that in a sense is repairing itself. For the past decade or so, the Jovogs have been transitioning to organic production of the row crops and small grains they raise on the farm. Organic systems are good for the life in the soil, but can sometimes rely heavily on mechanical tillage to control weeds, which breaks down aggregate structure. But during the recent LSP field day, the Jovogs showed how they're utilizing diverse rotations and cover crops to build the soil and keep it covered as much as possible throughout the year. One exciting new addition to their enterprise is the use of a roller crimper system. This involves utilizing a special roller mounted on a tractor to kill cover crops when planting a cash crop in the spring. Those dead cover crops suppress weeds and provide a natural soil covering mulch. Such a system has shown promise since it controls weeds without using chemicals or tillage. The Jovogs have found that an added bonus to roller crimping is that it preserves moisture in the soil, which was particularly important during the spring and summer of 2021 when drought conditions dominated many parts of the Midwest. I talked to Steve Lawler and John Jovog about the important role soil structure plays in building soil health. Lawler started out by providing a rundown of the negative repercussions of demolishing a soil's foundation and why he thinks we are in a better position than ever to reverse a trend that's been 150 years in the making. The typical management over the last 100, 150 years has certainly involved tillage, and in some cases uh, yearly, uh, multiple tillages per year. And, and there's always good reasons for those decisions uh, in that it prepared the soil and tillage does a lot of things. But there's one thing that it doesn't do, and it doesn't build soil necessarily. And as a matter of fact, uh, soil in its natural state 
is really uh, a mass of, of uh, larger particles that we call aggregates, which are formed biologically, and the biological systems are supported by plants. Aggregates can actually be destroyed, and that's one of the problems with tillage, uh, some more than other types, uh, in that it destroys structure. Even though it will break soil apart and loosen it and allow water and air to move, it's only a temporary situation. And therefore, if one does tillage, one will have to continue to do tillage because tillage actually tends to wear down and destroy the, the aggregate structure, which actually creates the macropores that move water and air in the soil in the first place. So, um, so, so tillage kind of breeds more tillage. And eventually, over a period of many decades, uh, one sees the effects of it, and what you see in the soil is really permanent compaction, or what we call massivity in the soil. And that usually goes down to the depth of, of the maximum tillage. And these days, that, that's quite deep. Uh, we, the, nor the, the average massivity we see is at about 13 to 14 inches right now. And so, uh, the, of course, uh, if you go in and, and rip that on a semi or semi-annual, semi or annual or semi-annual basis, you will break that up, you will shear it apart. But unfortunately, if the soil is anywhere near the plastic moisture state, you will also smear. And, and so that soil will, will actually seal back up eventually. And then basically you do it all over again. Mm. So soil health is uh, one of the things that it has taught me is that it is an opportunity to, to stop that trend and, and to go a different way. And soil health is really all about studying how nature prepares uh, a proper seed bed and it does so um, very effectively with plants and the soil biology that exists in the soil. Yeah, and one thing you had mentioned, I think, over in the field was biology needs one thing, and that's living roots. It really, it can't do much without that. And, and that's correct. Uh, the, the plants support the biology, and really, soil health, you learn eventually that it's really plants that make soil. It's not necessarily the other way around. Without plants, you do not have soil. And so that is one of the hard lessons to learn is that it's, it's the key are, are the plants, the living root systems. And, and that is why soil health, one of the principles is to maintain living roots in the plants year round. And that's, that's entirely possible, but with our agronomic systems, it, you know, it, it is a challenge. And that's why we, we study the process, the, the technology, to see what are the best techniques to keep those living root systems in the entire agronomic system. One of the things, interesting background you have is you had, you mentioned earlier that you did soil mapping decades ago in this area, and I think in Winona County as well. So you have really seen decades of this, kind of some of these, uh, the impacts of some of this compaction, as well as you're really pretty familiar with, with the way these soils are working in this area. Do you get a sense of how long it can take to use biology and to use some of these soil health practices to really get a handle on that compaction? Normally, I would say uh, the first three years are really the critical years. That uh, Soil, basically, that has been in a traditional agronomic system is really uh, dependent on tillage. And to remove that right away really puts the soil in shock. And normally what happens is that the soil goes into massivity. And if that's not dealt with, there will be yield loss, yield drag for several years, uh, especially on uh, stressful years, years of, of drought or, or years of, of excessive uh, precipitation. And so uh, that, that is something that needs to be observed, number one. 
and uh, and then uh, dealt with either possibly with uh, with uh, maybe again maybe tillage like a subsoiling at at a key moment at at, at the right depth done properly and then followed up very quickly with, with again, living root systems and maintaining those living root systems. Uh, that gives them the chance then to get through that massivity quickly and maintain uh, those, those root pores through those shear planes that, that were created and uh, so they don't seal up and go into massivity again. And so it's very important that when you consider uh, soil health, you need to look at the soil to see what state it is in and then go from there. You, you were talking about also when we were out here in these fields that you look at these on a local basis, but you can kind of extrapolate a little bit the, the impact this is some of this soil compaction and some of these soil health problems have on a watershed basis, why it can be such an issue. Can you t talk a little bit about that? Certainly. Uh, one, one of the tillage methods that I use are, uh, or uh, devices is a field cultivator, which does a wonderful job tilling up the upper three to four inches. And it usually runs at about four inches. And, and the soil looks beautiful. It's very nice and loose, maybe massive underneath, but it's certainly not massive in, the, in that upper four inches. But unfortunately, uh, a lot of that loose soil is not necessarily durable aggregates. They may not even be aggregates at all. They may be what we call a single grain environment in which the soil cannot even hold itself together at all. It looks loose, looks friable, looks beautiful, and it does provide a, an excellent uh, seed to soil contact. However, uh, when the soil becomes stressed, usually with a heavy rain, wind, and so on, um, those, what aggregates they are, they will break apart into basic soil particles of sand, silt, and clay. And you can tell right away when it's happening in that uh, the soil will be smooth on top and you'll see uh, a thin layer of sand, mm -hmm. which means the fines have either flown by stormwater off of that particular area or they've actually eroded into what macropores there were. And the soil act literally erodes into itself. And that forms a crust, which uh, when baked by the sun, um, will actually shed water. And so you've, you've really reduced the amount of the infiltration potential of that soil. And on a field-by-field on a field basis, that is significant. But on a watershed basis, it's hugely significant. That's where we have tremendous, when that occurs, we have tremendous uh, uh, stormwater uh, generation. And, uh, and that's one of the reasons why many of our streams and rivers look the way they do today is because uh, they, they're taking much more water than they ever have before. That whole idea of soil eroding into itself, that's pretty wild. So it's like a self-perpetuating cycle almost, or like a, it just can't, it kind of, uh, a feedback loop almost, something. So what we're doing, we have a, technicians have a test called aggregate stability in which we take a sample of that of upper one inch and uh, we can actually, by a lab method, determine the strength of those aggregates or whether or not they're aggregates at all. And, uh, and it gives us at least an idea of just how, uh, of the strength of the soil. So it, it's not just having aggregates, it's having aggregate strength as well. Otherwise, uh, any uh, aggregate receives a lot of the soil, the surface of the soil receives a lot of energy from raindrops and wind. And the soil has to be durable, otherwise uh, we lose our infiltration. So, describe a little bit about what we saw here. We so we, uh, the Jologs are doing some interesting things. They're doing they're uh, working with organic no-till, doing the roller crimper system, and I know you've got a great video uh, that you did on that. They do rotations. They're trying to maybe extend their rotations a little bit and use a, a variety of small grains and cover crops, that type of thing. What were some of the things you observed? You know, it sounds like you maybe were a little surprised, especially in some high-trafficked areas, of what some of the soil qualities that you saw in some of these areas. When you're in agriculture, you're going to have compression. You're going to have 
compaction issues and uh, things that, uh, and you know, there are times when tillage will will need to be done, and so uh, soil can get damaged. But it's uh, it's the ability of, of the soil and the time it takes to repair itself that's the key thing, and that comes again with plants and and the ensuing biology from the plants. And that's what I'm seeing here is that the soil is repairing itself, even with moldboard plowing. At one, one to two years, uh, the soil repairs itself. And uh, that's the key thing with the Jovag system that they're doing. They're, they're conscious of that, and they make sure the soil has time to do that in their, ro in their rotation program. Yeah, that's a really interesting that, that it kind of can uh, repair itself, and you don't have to constantly be making these kind of inroads a little bit uh, on it. Kind of That must be a, re a really key part of that. Right. One of the things we see in conventional agriculture is... Their cover crop is the cash crop, and the cash crop is a wonderful cover crop. Uh, it could use more living root systems during that growing season. That cash crop or cover crop is growing about three and a half to four months, actively three and a half months. And so there's still two months or so of opportunity for additional crops. But what we see in the row in a lot of cash crops is wonderful aggregate development. But then beyond the row, uh, it, it we see a lot of massivity. And so... Unfortunately, those cash crops, also cover crops, just cannot keep up with, with, the, with the damage. And so uh, we see permanent damage in the soil. Not permanent damage that can be uh, alleviated, but just not enough root growth to stimulate the biology throughout that soil profile. You work for the Soil and Water Conservation District here in Maurer County. You had mentioned something I found was interesting. You said around about 2016, the SWCD was kind of talking about the soil health movement and realizing, oh, maybe this isn't a fad. This is, maybe it's going to be around for a while. So I've been around long enough, and you've been around long enough, too, in that I remember when people talked about soil, just controlling soil erosion. That was the basic. Then it was the soil quality movement that was kind of in the 90s a little bit. Now we're at the soil health movement. And this one does seem to have a lot of legs, maybe, that some of the other movements, quote-unquote, didn't have. I mean, do you see that a little bit? I do. Uh, and, and the reason why is I think we have the technology now to actually uh, study uh, what we call soil health, right? Which is really a study, uh, I think, of how plants interact with soil mm -hmm. and, and the, bio the ensuing biology. And uh, we, we have a better understanding now of that. And that, I think, is the key thing. And that will keep it going because it, it is truly science. It's, it's um, uh, soil biology. Uh, and that's something that we never really had an, uh, an appreciation of. When I went through uh, soil science, I had uh, microbi soil microbiology was an elective. And we just had no appreciation. Yeah. It was really based on, on the agronomic practices of that time, which still exist today, but really no appreciation for soil biology at all. And so, but we're there now, and we're just, we're just getting into it, actually. We're just in its infancy, but I don't think there's going to be any turning around on this. I think that's a really interesting point in, in that we maybe even saw the results of some of these things. Maybe some farmers were doing some interesting things back in the day, but we didn't have the science to say, oh, this is the connections that you're making here kind of thing. It sounds like it's the science is maybe catching up to some of the practices out there. Farmers, you know, prior to uh, the major push for uh, monoculture, uh, cash crop monoculture, uh, farmers had uh, significant rotations, and they had those rotations mm -hmm. to build their soil. They knew 
how to build the soil. And um, we have maybe lost a little bit of that possibly. Um, we, we still try to do rotations where possible, but they're not the same. And so uh, we've seen more soil degradation. We, we've seen a carbon levels leveling off basically because the soils just are not increasing. And so, yes, I, I think uh, we, we have a great opportunity now just based on what was done in the past, what, what farmers have learned in, in the past, and not forgetting that, but actually taking that, learning from that, and apply the, you know, the real science that we have today. You know, whenever I'm down in here and I see the, across the Cedar River, I think about how important soil aggregate structure is, particularly in an area like this, because I remember a few years ago when the Cedar River really went out of control, flooded, was it Cedar Falls, Iowa? Um, did all that damage, and we really became aware of what impacts we can have downstream. So working for the Soil and Water Conservation District, which you are working on soil and water, and, and on a watershed basis as well as on individual farm basis, the soil health movement, I can see now why that would be so exciting for you folks. Right. I, the, thing, the promising thing about soil health systems is that it can it actually puts conservation on every square foot, mm. and not uh, whereas... Structural uh, types of conservation are wonderful, and the, they are always needed because we do have stormwater uh, occurrences, uh, generation occurrences that, that are very significant. But unfortunately, we still oftentimes see significant erosion between structures mm -hmm. and, and, and still in fields, and so the soil is still moving. And uh, soil health uh, provides us an opportunity to, to try to stabilize that over the entire surface area of the field. And I, I'm, seeing, I'm seeing the new innovation here. Uh, we have a producer here, uh, an organic producer, that's actually uh, full understanding of soil, soil health principles, and he's trying to incorporate those principles into organic, an organic system, which is very difficult. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I, so I'm here actually to, to see how that's being done. I'm, I'm not a good innovator, uh, but I am very impressed with uh, how advanced uh, this, uh, these producers are here in, in understanding the principles of soil health and figuring out ways to apply it into, into an organic system here. I then talked to John Jovog about why building biology and reducing tillage plays such a pivotal role in their farming enterprise and how a more stable soil structure is already producing positive results when it comes to fields that can manage and make use of key resources like water. We farm about 500 acres here in uh, down south of Austin. We have few cattle, pigs, and sheep, and then we transition the farm now over to organic. So n next year we'll be 100% certified organic on everything. Uh, well, except for one one more field, I guess has another year, but it's uh, working our way through that and uh, doing a lot more rotations and a lot more uh, crops and cover crops that we've been working on for the last five six years. Excellent. What, what kind of a mix, of, in a typical year, kind of mix of crops, what all would you be raising? Uh, we raise some rye, some rye for seed, and then we roller crimp rye into soybeans. Uh, we do corn, oats. We've, we've tried um, uh, sunflowers and um, uh, done some popcorn and regular field corn. And then um, just different cover crops mm -hmm. that, that we'll, we'll add into a lot of that stuff as we can. We're working to get more of a, a wider rotation. So that's we've done a lot of small fields of different crops to kind of test them and see how they work and see if we can work them and what equipment we need to do to make it work better, all that kind of stuff. Sounds like you got a furrow to finish operation with with hogs. Uh, yeah. And you're doing, is it like an, for the antibiotic-free market yes. kind of? Yeah, it's through Nyman Ranch, but it's an antibiotic-free 
program that they have and, and kind of a deep bedded deep bedded system for that. And then the cattle, we're, we're doing grass-fed beef, but we're just, just getting into that. We're just starting that right now. So we've got a little ways before we're actually selling any grass-fed beef, but we've got some, uh, bought a few cows now and starting to work our way through that. And then sheep, uh, we have hair sheep, and uh, they do some grazing out there too. With the going, uh, transitioning to organic and integrating livestock and all of that, how important is soil health to the success of, of all that? Yeah, my wife and I have been farming here together for a number of years, and, and soil health is, is, I think, the most important thing as farmers we need to really step up and focus on because if we can get that healthy soil and that working, everything else kind of works in its place. We've got some ground that we've been working some of the first ground that we started doing some of that with, we have a, a really good rotation with, with hay, small grains, uh, corn, and that that ground. It's amazing what that can produce versus the ground that we have not been doing that with as long, and uh, and how fast things pop up, how fast things go and grow. And so soil health is, uh, I mean, it's just the key to everything working as a system. And so that's what we're really been focusing on, my wife and I. And, and my parents have done a lot in the past, but we're, we're kind of taking it, trying to take it to the next level, I guess. Talk about some of the specific improvements in soil health. Kind of how are you gauging that soil health as far as, are you seeing more organic matter or more better water storage? Uh, I know you told me a story earlier about you were really finding your moisture levels deep in the soil were really good because of some cover cropping you were doing. Well, with roller crimping those soybeans into that rye and having that living mulch that gets crimped down and put on the ground, we had some moisture sensors in the ground, in the soil. And it, we could go in more than a week longer before we needed moisture just by having that mulch on the ground and keeping that soil temperature. I mean, anybody who has a garden and mulches, they'll, they'll know that that moisture stays in the ground better and you're not getting that soil cooking. You know, it doesn't get up to 130, 140 degrees on those hot days where it might if it's a bare ground. That alone, if you can get an extra week or better in between rains, that your crops can still grow. Our yield, it, it's it's noticed. Yeah, so that's a really good example of kind of building that organic matter and that soil health. It just really, and it, it kind of pays off in the bank. It's not just like, well, I feel like the soil's better, but you, like you said, you've got moisture that maybe you wouldn't have in a regular year. Yeah, we would not have had that. We would have needed rain a week prior had we, we not had that. And, and certain years that can make or break a, make a huge difference on, on your, on your operation. And, and then just in terms of water percolation getting into the soil and, and what all happens, it's just, there's, there's a lot that we can do. Is there kind of, as you go down this road of soil health and the transition to organics and all that, is there like a one or two things that you're like, oh, that's one thing I, I want to, uh, one problem I want to resolve or, or, or something that you're really trying, a barrier you're, you're, you're trying to get over a little bit have, uh, that you kind of run into year after year a little bit? With organic, I, I joke a little bit sometimes that it'll always keep you humble because the minute you think you might have something figured out, a curveball will come in. So, I mean, it's just, it's, you're constantly trying to figure out what to do every year. It's, it's not, you don't have some of those band-aids that you do have in a conventional system. And so in terms of hurdles, you know, getting that diversity and getting that planted in there, uh, rotations, understanding the best rotations to have. I mean, it's, there's just a lot that goes into every decision that you make. And it's not just a decision for this year, but what you do this year will impact the next three to four years in terms of rotations with a four or five year rotation. And so 
trying to just get that that whole system to work is a challenge and and I think we've got a ways to go. The Joe Vogfield Day was put on by LSP's nationally recognized Soil Builders Network, which is bringing together hundreds of farmers to share ideas around building soil health profitably. For resources, event listings, and more, see landstewardshipproject.org backslash LSP Soil Builders. The Joe Vogs are also participating in an LSP soil health initiative that's researching the viability of the Johnson Sioux Bioreactor composting system in the upper Midwest. A future Ear to the Ground podcast will describe this exciting project. If you have comments or suggestions about this podcast, contact Brian DeVore at bdevore at landstewardshipproject.org or you can call 612-816-9342. By the way, it helps us greatly if you can give Ear to the Ground a rating on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you utilize. Thanks to Laura Borgendale, Western Minnesota musician, for Ear to the Ground's theme music. And a special thank you to all of Land Stewardship Project's members who make initiatives such as this podcast possible. If you're not a member, visit landstewardshipproject.org to learn how you can support LSP. Thanks for listening.